This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, bringing you interviews with the best DJs, producers, and music industry professionals from around the globe. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider. Oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. We are here, guys. It's the 101st episode of The 20 Podcast, and as always, it is brought to you by BeatSource. BeatSource is the new digital music service for open format DJs. We basically are a streaming service for DJs. We've got BeatSource Link. We've got amazing curated playlists constantly being made for you. So many things are constantly being added and improved upon and made. you got to get on BeatSource. If you want 60 days free, use our code, the 20 the 20 and you'll get 60 days free to try BeatSource. You can try BeatSource Link, DJing off the cloud, so much stuff. Hit me if you got any questions. Uh, thank you guys, the Beat Sorcerers, for sticking with me. 101 episodes, two years, we are in on this, and we are just getting started. Uh, hit me up if you got any questions, comments, uh, guest requests, anything. At DJ Spider on Instagram, DJ S P I D E R. I'm also up on every single other uh, social media platform you could ever ask for. Um, TikTok, I'm DJ Spider, D E E J A Y S P I D E R. Same spelling on Twitter. That's also my website, uh, D E E J A Y S P I D E R dot com. Everything's up on there. So, uh, check it out. All my upcoming DJ gigs and everything are on there. So, you guys, today's show, we have got a double whammy, and what I mean by that is two guests. We got a duo, okay? We've got an amazing producer duo from New York who have produced countless pop and dance records, some massive remixes. They've worked with all types of legendary people, including Tiesto, the bingo players, done stuff for Selena Gomez, Usher, so many more check their uh bio on the internet and you will be extremely impressed they have their own record label their own publishing company they're releasing nfts they're doing live streams on twitch they have a dope website for producers that helps finish their tracks which we really get into and i think i might have to use uh they are self-managed they've been in the game for a while so they have a lot of advice that i think will help you guys and all the people that, uh, some DJs that want to get into music production or people that are active in music production, these guys have a lot of uh, gems that will help you on this episode. So uh, without further ado, please welcome to the show, The Disco Fries. Okay, we are here. It's the 20 podcast. It's the 101st episode. and We have got... Danny and Nick from the Disco Fries in the house. Make some noise. Yo. What That's up? Right. The crowd's going crazy. Disco Fries in the house. What's going on, you guys? How are you? Good. Great. I love that we went from interviewing you to you interviewing us in a short while. That's how we do it, okay? We go, we flip it like a mirror, okay? I'm getting interviewed. <laughs> now I get to ask the hard hitting questions. And find out the real truth about the disco fries. <laughs> that's what we're here it, for. Yeah, that's what we're here for. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about the disco fries. So uh, we're going to put it to rest here. 
Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to have you guys on. And uh, I think there's so much that you guys can share with our audience that'll be interesting and inspirational and they can learn so much from your story and what you have been doing and what you're doing now and even I was watching your Twitch stream a couple of days ago and the cool stuff that you were you were showing on there you know um so we can we can get into all that but um before we get into it just so everybody knows you guys are a dance pop duo from New York City you've produced um countless you know hit records for people like from remixes to production and you have a ton of other stuff going on from your own record label to a publishing company to um uh, a lot of other things that we'll get into today right yeah yeah let's do it all right Where do you want to start it. uh let's start. well you know something i heard you mention uh just to connect before we get fully into it is um on another podcast, I heard you say that you're friends with Dave Tozer, who's actually one of my longtime old friends. Yeah, so Dave Dave works with uh, our artist Domenico a lot. Um, okay. Most notably did a collab for the Olympics with John Legend. Yeah. Um, and I got to go to the premiere, which was like literally as COVID hit. It was a week before New York shut down. I was in Times Square with Domenico. They premiered it uh, like a takeover in the middle of Times yeah. Square. And we were like, there's no hand sanitizer. And people are like shoulder to shoulder. And it was just as like the pandemic was starting. So oh like God. literally less than a week later, everything was, it was empty. The same spot we were standing was empty. That's crazy. So, wow. Yeah, no, wild. I remember. Yeah, like the week before we all shut down, I was doing a podcast and I think I was interviewing Craze and we were in the Beat Source office and it was the same thing. Like he coughed. I'm like, do you have that crazy thing everybody's <laughs> talking about? You know, like, and we're just like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then one week later, everything's just shut down. But it was that weird. I remember those those weeks, you know, especially that last week before it was like I went to uh, some kind of DJ meetup and we're all scratching and I'm like, is there hand sanitizer? We're all touching these CDJs. Like, is this good? Yeah. Yeah. We did a gig like, uh, I think it was South Padre Island in Texas, which is like a big spring break spot. And it was right. like days before, like March 13th or something like that. And that was the first time we were like, we're, we're good with fist bumps. Like we're not doing that bro hug, like bring it in close. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it, it did. It got weird like real quick. Yeah. And South Padre Island is probably a really good incubator for COVID. I feel like it's just oh, floating yeah. in the air. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100%. Every single uh, disease has has hung out in South Padre Island, I think, for yes. a short period yeah. of time. Um, <laughs> it starts there or it, it that's where the variants evolve. <laughs> That's where exactly. all the variants. It's like it's like a movie. It's like the home base for like hazmat type uh, things. Yes, it's 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 scary out there, but it's also very fun. Um, so yeah, well, yeah. Dave, Dave's a great dude. Like it's beautiful studio in the city, and uh, yeah, has been really supportive of of us and and Domenico especially. Uh, and Domenico's played on a ton of our records. Uh, most notably, the the recent one that he co-wrote with us was uh, Forever Love with Bingo Players and Vic. Uh, and oh, so dope. him and Vic uh, do a ton of music together. And, and we, we've been working with those guys for a while now. They're, they're like fresh out of college, practically. Um, and they're they're doing big things. So it's cool to, to work with. We're always working with like younger artists and, and people with fresh ideas. And it keeps it fresh and new for us, too. 
Yeah, totally. I know that's what Dave, I was actually just in New York and got to hang out with him and I hadn't seen him in years. Um, and he told me about the Olympics thing and he was, and I met some of the kids that he's working with. And it was like you said, they were all fresh out of college. And I know he teaches at NYU. So he has like a good access to like these dope kids, you know, that are, that are doing stuff. Um, so yeah. And and it keeps the inspiration flowing and, um, yeah, he was, he was showing me all the stuff that he was getting into, but he's a great guy. Like I've known him since, since John Legend was John John Stevens back in the day. <laughs> I was doing scratches wow. on the record. He hit me. That was like when I met him like way back in the day. And I've done scratches on a bunch of the John Legend records through him and then whatever he needs. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Like randomly, like I did on the, uh, there was one song with Rick Ross. I had to like sound design the sound to sound like this James Brown sound, but it, they couldn't clear it. So I made my own yeah, yeah. like yelling sound and kept layering it and then scratched it. And I remember I did all this work and then I listened to the song and it was dope and I'm super thankful to be part of it. But it ended up being one part. It was like, boo. <laughs> like I'm like, that's me, baby. Right there. Check it. Oh, you Made missed it. it? You missed it? Hold on. Come back. Rewind that. One minute, 52 seconds. I'm, I'm killing it right there. Uh, but yeah, Dave. That's, that's kind of how I feel when we hear <laughs> records that somebody like used something from our sample packs. Because it'll right. be like, yeah, exactly. oh, that one, that one fill that was yeah. in that pack, it, deep in it, like 400 sounds down. Yo, did you catch that? <laughs> You're like, I remember we went doom, da, 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 doom, boom. <laughs> You're like, that was my exact part. Um, yeah, as it is, I, like I, our families, our families don't understand what we do. As long as we've been doing it, our family, you know how this goes. Nobody fucking yeah. understands people in the music business. Uh, so, know. you know, you try to explain what you do and then God forbid you pull up something like that and you're like, oh, yeah, we made this sound in this record. Like, <laughs> wait, you make sounds? I'm like, well, Danny's like a sound designer. Like, it's literally what he went to school for. <laughs> and then they try to wrap their head around that and it just goes down a rabbit hole. There's And, and who pays you for that exactly? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. You're like the sound fairy. They sprinkle the money in when I just make the sound and then exactly. I play it into the air, you know? The most tangible the most tangible example of it where they were like, now I get it, was we did sound design and programming for Shark Ninja, the vacuum cleaner company. Oh, and we wow. programmed the, um, the robot vacuum. If you ever get a shark robot vacuum, that was us. Like all the little melodies and, and that shit. And then the in the air actual fryer. machine, yeah. yeah so there's like a little the... chip that we had to send them timings for like the melody, so they could program it on the chip. Yo, that's so amazing. Because yeah. my dishwasher vacuums, air fryers. <laughs> that's crazy. I just bought a new dishwasher, and it like plays some song every time like you turn it on, and then when it's done with the thing, and I'm like, I need to sample this thing because like dun da 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 dun dun da 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 dun dun. My son's always like, what is that? I'm like, we're making a beat out of that one night, like when maybe over winter break. So so actually, producers are making that stuff. That's crazy. For I sure, didn't realize that they need somebody to compose it. You're like, yo, flip on that shark. And then hopefully someone can flip the shark sound on TikTok into a sound, and then maybe a, it'll be a viral trapped out so, shark beat. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, the other side of this is like, so Dan, we both do music. Danny's like more the heavy creative guy, and I'm more on the business side because we're self managed, so we handle everything in house. But if you're okay. gonna like dictate roles, that's kind of like where we land. But when we did that deal with Shark Ninja, I, I, I had been watching, ironically, a lot of Shark Tank. 
my favorite show. And <laughs> no, I love it. So I went good. in for a royalty deal right away. I was like, I want a dollar on every unit sold. Can we can we get in on that? <laughs> they're they're like, like hard no. They're no, like, sir. yeah. You're like, I need for every single leaf sucked up. Yeah, that was that's the Mr. <laughs> well, you had to try. That was the Mr. Wonderful uh, style right there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you gotta you gotta try. Now he'd be telling you to probably like sell an NFT of the sound of the shark vacuum or something. But, you know, he's Mr. Wonderful's going all in on crypto. Well, ironically, we are we are doing a lot of NFTs and that's a great idea, sir. Oh, interesting. Well, uh, let's talk about that. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I actually have seen. So when when I was on your show, um, we talked a little bit about it uh, and you mentioned I think the platform record shop and that you were doing some music NFTs and I was supposed to hit you up and you were going to explain it to me and I never did. So now is the perfect time uh, that you yes. can let me and everybody know. Uh, yeah. What are you doing? How deep are you in the NFT game? What's record shop all about and what else are you doing in that world and the metaverse? So I'll give you the recap to date and then Danny will tell okay. you about what Please. we're doing. I think that's Great. the best way to lay it out. So uh, Record Shop, if you're familiar with NFTs, you're probably familiar with NBA Top Shots. It's one of the most popular sites for NFTs. Uh, They do over a million dollars in revenue a day uh, in NFT trading and and digital trading cards. So basically what Record Shop set out to do from the beginning was be the uh, essentially the NBA Top Shots of music and start with dance music. Uh, right. really great team there. And, uh, I talked to them a few months ago and they were like, yeah, this is what we're trying to do. It was pre-launch. Um, and then the guys actually that own NBA top shots came in as like lead investors in a oh, wow. record shop. Oh, crazy. Uh, so I, I invested in this site. Like I was, I told Danny, I'm like, this feels like one of those things that if we don't do it in like a year, if we don't start getting on it now and creating content, we're going to look back and be like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I know what you mean. Um, so and, and is it they, on when you said that, that the NBA top shop people invested? Um, I know they have their own blockchain, like flow blockchain. Is it on that? It's on or, that. Okay. Yeah, that's it's built on flow. Okay. So um, yeah, the premise was always then once they were on, like, let's be the music vertical for, what they're doing in the sports space. And um, there's all these things coming up in the next year or six months that are going to integrate some of the sites together, uh, virtual events and so forth. Um, But that was always the premise. And and just in their first like month and a half or so in business, they did over a million dollars in revenue uh, for artists. And uh, the split is heavily in the artist's favor. Um, It's basically for people who don't know what it is. It's, it's collectibles specifically trading cards uh, from artists, but then connected to a trading card is, you know, behind the scenes footage, exclusive tracks, stuff you can't get anywhere else. Oh, okay. Um, so we've been doing a lot of that. And, and, and is there a forward, certain like, amount, like only a certain amount made per NFT of yep. the music or, okay. Yeah, so usually the mint counts are under a thousand for a card. Okay. Uh, so it's pretty exclusive what you can get there. and. You don't, a, a lot of the packs that they drop are, are like Genesis packs where you don't really know what you're going to get. You might get two label cards and an artist card. You might get a release card and a, a moments card, which is like, you know, a live show that was filmed. 
Um, so it's cool. It's like a little grab bag of stuff when you grab a pack. That's so dope. I need to uh, go on there and mess with it. I, I had some ideas like that in the early top shot days. I was, I was, I started buying them probably February or March, um, mainly because of my son, like someone else that had a kid put me onto it and was like, yo, this is this cool thing. And I showed it to my kid and you know, he loves collecting cards and he loves sports. So, so we just started doing that. And then all of a sudden we were like, what the hell? The stuff we bought is worth like thousands of dollars. Then some of it dropped down. Like we bought like a Tyler hero card and it was like $2,000. Now I think it's worth like $5. But it's it, you know, they go they go up and down. Yeah. Our collection's still way over what we paid for it. But um, but I learned a lot from that, and it and it got me into thinking with the whole wow music as as collectibles. And and I worked with this person in Atlanta, Urban Medium. We made some sort of test items like that. Like I made a bunch of beats, and he made some artwork because we used to do mixtapes back in the day where we would do art and music. And I'm like, this is a perfect kind of combo way to come back together um so yeah it was like we tested that out but um i've never actually gone on record shop and checked it out so i need to go on there and buy some stuff and do you buy it with like a credit card or u.s dollars or do you need the flow um well so that's what's really cool is they they've made it super easy um you can actually use like apple pay um okay you can you can pay with like a crypto wallet um but yeah, right. they, they made it very easy, very accessible uh, to get on because that was the thing. Like initially, Nick was Nick was all into it, and I couldn't quite wrap my head around it because I had seen Blau's launch of his album thing, and that yeah. kind of got my attention. I was like, "Of course, why why is this like generating this much money?" Um, and I I couldn't wrap my head around like it, the idea of it just being like this one off sort of thing. And so that's sort of what I thought the record shop stuff would be because I wasn't familiar with Top Shop. Um, so what's really right. cool is like you get into the the collecting of it, but they they keep sort of revealing more aspects of the platform. Um, and we had the one of the co-founders on our uh, on our show last week, and he was talking about how he has this vision for it to be sort of like a game, um, yeah, where you're doing things like. Once you collect a set of cards, say maybe you could like burn those cards and it mints a new exclusive card that you only could have gotten if you had that set. And there's all yeah. these different different cards that like will enable other cards to turn into different things. You get different assets tied to each one. So it, right. it's like a really interesting community where it's not just, I don't know, like art collecting or something where you just like have this piece and it's like a status symbol. It's it's more of like a community and this interactive uh experience sort of yeah i think that's what people are discovering with the nfts and uh how there's more utility to it and how it's more than just what we're used to with the internet of like hey i can share this with people you know it's like we can work together on these things and and we can all own things together and and there's a lot of like buzzwords and things with it but i think a lot of it is true and every day and every week people are learning how to use it differently. You know, it's kind of like like samplers and stuff when they first came out. Like, this is what it was built for. And then people are like, but you can do this and you can do this. And 
they're learning more and more how we can use the NFTs. And even in the beginning of Top Shot, it was, it was just a collector thing. But I think they saw how all the other NFTs were growing and adding the utilities in on it. And so now with Top Shot, you can trade in the things and, like you said, burn it and get other stuff. And I'm sure with the music, it's only going to get crazier. And now we've seen Blau started that company, Royal, where you certain amount of people can own the track and um you know the sky's the limit i mean because there's nfts and then there's different layer there's DAOs, which is like everybody can own something together and there's so many different layers of things that you can do on ethereum but all on the other blockchains as well that i think it's just gonna you know grow exponentially um over the next year and coming coming years totally well and it's weird like i don't have a great sense of how much um the general public has like knowledge of it because i feel like it's a sort of thing that gets talked about on like major news outlets like cnn will cover it like you'll even see it on the morning news like if there's some big um nft sale that's like a record whatever but it's hard to tell like what the actual adoption is overall um because everyone in our space is talking about it, but I feel like yeah. I've got those blinders on where, like, if I brought it up to my parents, they would have no clue. They would just be like, oh, that's that thing where someone, like, <laughs> sold something for a, a billion dollars, right? Right, right. <laughs> like, no, no, exactly. I think you're right. Um, but I, I think that that's just like anything else, you know? Like, it's it's just um, the more people use it, the more normal it will be, and... Uh, the more, you know, I guess people can relate it to other things in their life. Um, after a while, they'll be able to go, oh, okay, now I'm starting to get this. Um, because I, I have been trying to explain everything from cryptocurrency to NFTs and all that to my parents. And slowly but surely, I see them getting it and, and understanding. And I think that, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's just like anything else. I think there's going to be all these shady people that are trying to jump onto it and do all the suspect money grab things and make it look bad and then people from the outside are going to judge it but there's going to be all these innovative people that are going to do really cool things with it and this like record shop and and all that stuff and i think that there's a place where i don't know it's going to allow all of us to collaborate and come together more and and work in these vr and ar and metaverse and you know all the stuff everybody's talking about and it i don't know if it'll be so like 100% change, I think it'll just be a new addition into our life, just like everything else, just how now I can DJ off vinyl or Serato or CDJs or USB. You know, you just keep adding technology on. Well, and even like autonomous driving and stuff, like I think everyone just envisioned like one day, all of a sudden, like no one was going to be driving their cars, but it's like, it's a normal thing now, but it's still not even like percentage of what's on the road. Like it's still a small thing, but it's very in the public conscience. So yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it will be. It, it'll be a gradual shift. Have you guys done the thing that fascinates? Any- oh yeah, no. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna j- jump on that. Like the thing that fascinates me about like record shop and the greater space when you get into the like utility of of cards and sets and things like that is how it overlaps with real world experiences too. So like some of the yeah. stuff we're gonna do with those guys is like it, just in the short term, whatever. We're doing a New Year's Eve show and we're going to give a certain set holder who burns the cards a certain way a vip experience at the show um so then like you're you're trading in like your virtual assets for a real life experience 
plus it's uh it's diluting the supply because you're burning cards right so it's diluting the supply of what's in the marketplace and then it's creating more demand for what else are they going to do type fomo and uh there's less cards available now so like it's kind of multi-layered in that way and and that's i think where it gets really interesting too yeah yeah yeah. there's so many there's so many different like things you can like even that that's that's amazing where where's the new year's eve show uh encore event center in san diego oh dope so it's it's a pretty massive lineup and uh yeah we're we're one of the main main artists on it so it should be fun it's gonna be a all-night event and i know the open bar is till 2 a.m so that should be interesting <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's like <laughs> that's crazy how, like New Year's Eve, people usually are just falling apart by like that point. You yep. know, two a.m. Oh yeah, to have yeah. The open they barely bar make it then. to midnight, and then it's yeah. like a steep drop off. Oh my god! Yeah, last year, shit. I did a, I did some virtual reality uh, New Year's Eve gig. Thank God, you know. But it was like so interesting. Like I, I pre-recorded all these sets and did all this stuff, and then ended up driving up to Big Sur and just chilling up in, like, the mountains while, like, I virtually DJed on New Year's Eve, but I was just oh, wow. chilling. <laughs> it was so <laughs> interesting. Sick. Yeah. Love have it. you guys done any, like, you know, uh, along with the NFT and all that stuff, but have you done any metaverse shows or shows in any VR things or, or broadcast your Twitch show inside of any sort of virtual worlds or anything? We did, we did like, one, um, one virtual festival sort of thing that was like an AR you could I don't know you went to a website and then it had like us on a stage and you could like move around whatever um right the the only problem is like we have we never really got that heavy into it because I have a setup at home Nick doesn't and even just figuring out the technical like trying to figure out something for both of us to do would be I don't know we just never really had the motivation to figure it out so Right. I did that one solo, and we we're like, there's probably better ways to spend our time. Plus, there's, like, so <laughs> many people in that space that, like, that's that's sort of what um, uh, got us, like, interested in going the this sort of route. Like, do the Twitch show, but bring on, like, guests and, you know, give advice and that, that sort of thing. Right, right. And and when you guys, um, obviously, when you do this New Year's Eve show and other shows, um, you're DJing, Right. Um, yep. and, um, how do you like, how does that work? Is it like both of you on, um, two CDJs or what's, what's your well, setup? Ideally there's ideally, uh, we love it when, uh, it's well-funded and there's four <laughs> yes. CDJs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, and typically like we'll do a couple, we do like mini sets back and forth, but it's obviously seamless between the two of us, but it's kind of like. Danny will complete a thought of, of of a few records, and then I'll jump on and do that. Or the other benefit is with there being two of us. If there's if one of us just isn't in it yet, or just yeah. can't dial what's going on, like the other person tags in. Right. So um, there's that benefit to it. But yeah, it, it's it's kind of like these mini sets. If if you think about it like that. Right. How long have you guys been DJing? Have you been, were you DJing before you were producing or was producing your main thing and then you started DJing in order to perform your tracks and stuff? So it's so, interesting because Nick's been DJing for years. Like, was in like the mobile DJing thing through what, Nick? Middle school, high school? 
Yeah. How were they? Since okay. I was like 12, 12, 13 years old. Like, oh, wow. Probably so been, been doing, doing it, it like 20, over 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Um, so you so Nick, in the Nick game. kind of already, <laughs> he already had like, he already had the skills and like had some, some gear through college and stuff. Uh, when we when we met in college and started making music together, I had never like even looked into this space really, so I didn't know how to DJ at all. And we got booked for our first gig. We were doing we were on like um, Crack for DJs, which was like the the little brother to Crooklyn Clan. It was like a bootleg right. site. Okay, um, yeah. And off the strength of that, there was a, a club in Hong Kong that was booking like a ton of guys from there, Seraphine and. Um, I'm trying to right. think of some of the other guys. But anyway, we, we got booked for our first official like gig as the Disco Fries was in Hong Kong. Wow. <laughs> I still didn't crazy. know how to DJ. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, so I, and that was probably 2009, I want to yeah. say. Um, and so what, what we did uh, at, at that point, I brought like a, a synth and we had all like I brought a second laptop. That with an Ableton set up for samples and drum one shots and stuff like that, we kind of started out as this two laptop setup. Right. Um, and I would sort of like I had like some idea how to beat match, uh, so I would hop on for like a song or two and then go back to my comfort zone, and that's <laughs> sort of how we did our sets. And then honestly, I just sort of learned how to <clears> DJ <throat> in that in that setting, just like a little bit at a time until like a year later it turned into what, what we do now. So it's, it's been this sort of like three, four, five record trade-off thing for, I don't know, 10 years now. Got it. And have you guys had any, um, any like nightmare DJ sets or like crazy horrible oh. things happen? <laughs> for, sure. for sure. <laughs> computer, computer crashes. Uh, <laughs> it, it was usually technological or like, yeah, yeah usually technological incidents or like when we were doing a tour in china danny had just bought a new laptop girl dumped a glass of champagne right all over it and no. he literally was like draining <laughs> it out on stage um oh god yeah yeah just <laughs> yo and that was like early <laughs> in our career i had financed this like five thousand dollar production oh, laptop god, that was also no. the one i brought to the club and i was like one payment in on it that's that's a nightmare miserable that's no, the bad thinking thing about, about that still like i feel oh, that God. physically right now yeah i feel it i feel it physically too it's like i feel it inside when you tell the story that's the bad thing about bringing these laptops and having to dj with them it's like what the hell are we doing it's like our entire life on this thing and then yeah. one thing yeah. the laptop stand moves and you're like boom it's dead yeah. No, I mean, I love, I love Serato. I, I still do, but like we we're on USBs now and it couldn't right. be better. Um, yeah. but the, you know, we were really in it on Serato for a while and like yeah. just the depth of the library and the organization and the things you could do with a screen, uh, yeah. is much different than what you could do on a, on a CDJ in, in that way. But, um, but now we're right. just used to playing, playing on USBs and for the bigger shows, like, especially if we're going like a festival type thing is a yeah. nightmare with a laptop. It's just, it's a fucking right. nightmare. So yeah. right. you don't want to uh, be that one, that one act that shows up when everyone else is doing USBs and you're like, can I just get behind there? And then you're like moving wires around trying to get everything set up. Yeah, <laughs> I did yeah. that. It was like not at a really huge thing, but <clears throat> a couple months ago I did this party and it was like all house music. 
people. Everybody was like under 25. And like, I roll in, they're like, we want you to play. I'm like, all right, dope. And I roll in with like my backpack and my laptop. And like, everyone else has like their in ears and their USB and their like tiny pocket of their jeans. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I need to redo the wires and the HID (laughs) mode. And the, I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm opening the laptop. I feel like I can hear it like creaking like an old door. Like, I'm like, back in my day, we had here we go. You know what I'm like? I've never felt 100%. so old in my life. I'm like, the pandemic made me get like 25 years older just because I have a laptop and I'm showing up at a house music gig and everybody's on a damn USB. And then the people after me were like, we were going to do B2B, bro, but we can't do it with you. You're on Serato. I'm like, no, we can do <laughs> it. I'm like, you just, I'm like, you got to do the left side and I'll do the right side. And they're like, no, no, the- no. <laughs> Can't you were the B2B. green text bubble in a room full of the blue, the blue iMessage bubble. Yeah, I'm the green guy, and they're all blue. I was like, "Yo, we can still do it." He's like, "Bro, we can't fucking do B2B, brother." I'm like, "Okay, fuck." <laughs> so it was, uh, <laughs> it, it it didn't work out. Um, you know what? It, did- it's hilarious how how quickly shit moves, right? I was on a yes. call today about uh about record shop stuff, NFTs, whatever, and explaining all of it, and then. I was like, yeah, but you know, if you want to release stuff traditionally, and they're like, what do you mean traditionally? I'm like, Spotify, <laughs> Apple, and they're like, you made it sound like it's an antique. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Spotify it and Apple. But it, it is kind of weird. Like, already we're right. moving into a space where, like, streaming has been around long enough that now NFTs are making that seem like it, it happened already. Like, it's back there. Yeah. It's so bizarre how quick that happens. Are yeah. we going to be like rolling up to the CDJs with our ledger um, crypto <laughs> wallet and then you just pop yeah. that in and you're yeah. like, dude, I got all the hottest NFTs on this shit. And then the <laughs> CDJ just <laughs> makes them appear. I wonder if someone I, could make could that happen. happen. <laughs> so I got to I got to talk to you beat source guys about uh, about how to integrate record shop for sure. Got to figure that out. For real, like that would be dope. You know, I know um, Styles Davis, who's you know big, big uh, beat source person, beat port person. He is very deep in the NFT and crypto and all that game, and I talk to him all the time about it. And uh, you know, we're looking at weird pixelated frogs and shit all the time. But he, <laughs> um, <laughs> he, um, uh, yeah, I mean, because that would be incredible. I w- if you could integrate the nfts but somehow make it fair obviously for the people that potentially spend a lot of money on it but um I, yep. i'm sure there's people working on it and there's going to be ways to integrate because that's the whole thing when people are like we're making the jump to web three it's like i don't think they're turning off web two like this shit is still no. going to be here <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean right. and it's like i'm sure whoever starts talking about web four is then just gonna you know i'm like i'm on web five i don't know what you guys are doing back on <laughs> web three like <laughs> <Yeah>. i'm <laughs> I'm already doing Web 5, so you guys can hit me up. NFTs are old to me at this point. I'm just, uh, but no, I, I <laughs> um, yeah, it just, it, it moves super fast. And um, yeah, I can't wait to get the CDJ 3000s, like just DJing on those with HID mode. But also I've been getting on Record Box and I've been transferring all my Serato crates and, and you know, pre-cue pointed songs to yeah. uh, Record Box. And man, it is really fun to DJ on there and be able to roll into a spot and just pop the damn USB in and just DJ like that. It is, yeah. 
It's going to change your life. <laughs> I know. I know. It already has a little bit, but I just got to get a little bit more used to it. But when you say like, so when you go to these gigs with your USB stick, do you pretty much have like some playlists and pre-planned sets as well as maybe some other stuff you want to maybe drop in there? But like, how do you, what's your best practice for organizing your USB when you're headed to a gig? Yeah, I mean, a lot of times what we'll do, honestly, is like we roll in with like an idea and especially right. like it'll be like, here's, I don't know, 50 records that are newer that maybe we haven't really tested out. Um, and here's our like go to's, whether it's an open format leaning spot or more electronic leaning spot. Um, right. And then if we have if we play a set and we just think it was great, <clears throat> we just save that history as a crate and then yeah. we just pull on like. I don't know. At any given time, there's probably like four or five recent sets that we just remember were great. And we'll yeah. jump into those if we can't think of like what to go to next. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I do that, too. I save all my old sets and then I'm like, oh, this will work. And I can take this section and put it with this and then try yeah. this new idea. It worked. And if it doesn't work, go back to the part that definitely worked at the other one. Yeah, um, yeah. especially dude, like if stuff sometimes you get those like one record into another and you're just like, these work so well. I never want to go into any other record. Like never. And remembering those moments. Cause I always yeah. forget like totally. And that's actually one of the cool things of record box. I I'm still like figuring out. I, I feel like I'm not like fully into the functionality, but you can do those yeah. like link tracks where it'll pop up like off of this record. Here's the five records. I know like from past experience that, it works really well with, and if you like blank for whatever reason, you can. How hit a do you? It how do you, you do that? Like you said, I uh, forget what the feature is called, but like in the record box program, there's like a little chain link sort of thing. Um, oh, when they're loaded up on the two decks, and it's I forget what it's called. It's not related tracks. Um, right. Oh, that's so dope. Something. Okay, because that's helpful, like yeah. I have in my comments like, oh, I mix it with this, 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 but it still doesn't always pop up and I have to search yep. it. So that's actually a great feature just so anytime, totally. yeah, you have the connected tracks that go with it and depending what, what direction you're going in, you can use them. Um, yep. I, need, I need to look into that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I actually drew from uh, Pioneers texting me right now. I'm going to hit him after and be like, yo, how, you got to teach me this. Like, <laughs> Show me where he, this is. <laughs> he, he taught me. He, he let me come down there and taught me all about the CDJ 3000s, and I got to try HID mode on it, and he was showing me every little feature. Not that feature, but most of the features on uh, Recordbox, yeah, yeah. and I was having so much fun just learning it all and figuring out what I could do with it. Um and speaking of releasing music uh, traditional ways, um, I did see you on a stream, though, like a day ago, opening up this really dope box set put out by your record label, right? That was like uh, so vinyl, was, download yeah, cards, and I, stickers, and... I don't have um, the box anymore, but hang the on. album's right... Oh, okay. Right hang here. on. So, <laughs> oh, shit, we just got exploded. <laughs> Was that him getting yeah. up and hitting the keyboard? Yeah, it actually worked perfect. Really set it up. <laughs> I thought it was a real because I can't see him on the screen. <laughs> um, this box set actually was put together by the artist, uh, but they were kind enough to put the label logo and branding on it. Um, Boogie Hill oh, Faders. Okay. We, ac we actually discovered them. They popped on one of our live streams like six months ago. Wait, uh, who is more. it? I Sorry, I didn't, I, I didn't hear who is it? Boogie Hill Faders. Boogie oh, okay. Hill Faders. Right Dope. here. 
Uh, yeah. Super dope uh, duo out of Canada. And uh, they do like sample based house music, basically. Um, right. Really cool. I heard one of the stuff. tracks. I think I heard a track you guys did together. Like very mm-hmm. funky. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Up tempo funk house disco, whatever you want to call it. But it was dope. I really liked it. Nice. Yeah, so nice. they put this box set together, air fresheners, uh, wow. T-shirt, all types of Hell stuff yeah. in here. Uh, but yeah, they're they're clever dudes, and they're not afraid to like really put themselves out there because this is crazy creative. Like super creative. Took, uh, not only that, like the tissue paper is branded. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, the attention to detail. They, w- they went for Damn. it. Yeah, branded tissue paper. You know, you're putting your all into it. That's uh, that's dope. But I mean, I think it's dope how you guys are so into the future with the NFTs, and then also you know doing that box set kind of stuff. And your your record label Liftoff is super active. Um, I was checking out some of the recent music you guys put out. Um, some really dope house music and um, and the music you know, like you said, that um, Forever Young track you have with the bingo players. I love that track. Like so. Just like a feel-good kind of disco house. Um, I don't know how you categorize it, but really dope song. You had another one that I heard recently that was dope, too. I think it was called, like, Dumb Things or something. Yeah, Dumb Things uh, yeah. with Molly Moore. Yeah, that was dope. It was, like, pop, but then it went into, like, like a funky thing, but with synth sounds. Like, it was, like, um, it was a kind of a cool combination of everything. I think that's the thing with you guys, that you have this sound that's very... Um, dance music but it's pop and it's uh so it it's makes it very accessible for our style djs you know open format djs to play your music and i mean i've played your music forever you know i remember years and years ago in vegas and and when you guys would come out with remixes and i was playing it back then and you guys have stayed consistent over the years putting out that kind of sound that's like people can dance to it but it's still accessible and has that pop sensibility to it yeah, I yeah, don't know where where it came from because it's that's definitely where we got our start was in the remix game. Uh, yeah, for you sure. Know, we did Britney Spears, Katy Perry, a bunch for Flo Rida, all that stuff, and it and it really connected with the open format DJs. And since we were doing like the Crooklyn Clan sort of thing, we made yeah. a lot of connections in that world. Uh, but we wanted so badly to be taken like seriously as like electronic artists, like a Tiesto or David Getter right. or something. And so I think earlier, like we tried to make this sort of transition um, into like this instrumental club music that was like a little more like cutting edge, less poppy, whatever. Um, and now I feel like we've, we've settled in a good place where we realize like that's not our lane, but we do this like pop thing pretty well, like the more accessible stuff. And so we just try to blend the two, have it be like musical, um, you know, like broad appeal, but also with cool sounds and like the electronic elements that we that we love, you know. Yeah, dope. Yeah. I mean, you can hear it, you know, you can kind of hear all your influences, even in that um, that that track I was just referring to. You know, it's like you guys are good at, at putting it all together and your sound design. And um, yeah, I, I love it. And like you said, I mean your goal was to be taken seriously and eventually you ended up working with Tiesto and a lot of these amazing people that you looked up to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like that, (laughs) it's a big motivator when you get that kind of co-sign to like number one, keep 
pursuing the sound you're going after or or just in general you know because like music business it's the it's the hardest industry to really crack you can go to school like we went to school for it it doesn't guarantee you shit uh and you could be at it forever and never really cut through but i think those little moments those little wins are what are are what keeps people going and, and getting to like the next phase so uh Hold up, hold like up. Awesome. By, by little wins, you mean like connecting with our, our idol, our like musical <laughs> idol? Oh, well, yeah. Well, that was a big win. But there, most most of our wins One are of the like biggest, little. Uh, producer DJs in the planet Earth to this day. <laughs> <laughs> but like the no, little no, win was mean. all right, we got, we got a cosign from Diesto. Like we got a. Yeah. Pl- like we got some semblance of support. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And back then, that was a. It's still a big deal, obviously, but like that was the only shit going on. (laughs) So when you get that, it's like this is this is the moment. Um, But now it's like for for somebody coming up, if they get a look on like Friday Crate Diggers, like for us, that's that's huge for a record. It's especially huge for a record on our label, but it's not the whole piece of the puzzle. But for somebody who has nothing else going on, that's like the thing that they can like hang their hat on and say like, all right, I got this. So let, let me try to like use that as leverage to get to the next level of this fucking mental industry that we've all signed up for. Yeah, it is a mental industry. I will say this last <laughs> year and a half, I'm sure tested uh, most everybody's mental, no matter who you are, which is like, you know, it's still crazy coming out of what we have been going through and obviously still going through. But um, yeah, I mean, it was everybody had to figure things out over the past year and a half and start new things yeah. and, and, and figure it out. But even before that, I mean, it's a definite mental, mental industry. Um, I mean, yeah. Have you guys developed any speaking on that part of it? Like, have you developed any techniques to deal with the mental part of everything? Cause there are so many ups and downs. There are times where I'm like one time of the day having the best time ever and like everything's great and i'm so motivated and excited and then like six hours later i'm like everything's falling apart what am i doing with my life or something like (laughs) do you know um (laughs) yeah like honestly because this uh i'm gonna bring this up because it just happened yesterday like so my wife uh works at a doctor's office she comes home for lunch for like an hour every day and she came home yeah and i was like kind of quiet we're like eating and she's like you good and i was like yeah i'm fine she's like no, 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 no. What's up? I was like, nothing. No, it, it, I mean, it doesn't. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> and she's like, you were working on something and it wasn't clicking, right? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, even after like 15 years, if I spend yeah. like two hours on a project and don't make progress, it still puts me in a funk. Uh, I think the only, the only thing I've gotten better at is like recognizing when I'm kind of hitting that point where like I could sit another three hours and it's not going to happen. And so the next three hours would be better spent getting outside, doing literally anything else. Uh, so the like self-awareness, and especially this past year, because I was home all the time. My kids were home from school. They're, they're young. Um, and it, it, like my time management was completely like rearranged. Um, yeah. So it was really just like self-awareness and, and realizing like how much you have to balance your life to prioritize your music and your work, but also like all the other aspects of your life, like whatever family exercise, 
relaxing, all that stuff. And it, it does, it does make a huge difference. Yeah, no, it, it totally does. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, speaking on, on that, how do you balance your time like that? Like, how do you make sure that when you're working on music, cause a lot of times when I go to make beats has been something I always do. I just make some stuff that I like or something. And then I'm like, did I just waste time? Or was that a good use of my time? Like, how do you make sure that you're using your time properly as a, uh, someone that wants to make a career in music and not just messing around with something or is the messing around something that you have to do to get to the next level I'll it depends like for us it, it, yeah. it, it, it really <laughs> I, I said this I think the other day on our live stream like I spent my whole life trying to set myself up to never have to work I've never worked a normal job in my life I never wanted to work a normal job in my life but like right. I set my whole self up to like not work a nine to five to then work well beyond a nine to five <laughs> now uh yeah. it, so like but typically like our work day is nine to five like we structure our day of like calls uh part of the day is fragmented into production and um you know like so there's there's a schedule during the day yeah. of things we do uh do i find myself way more creative at night uh, late night specifically, like if I have that bandwidth to do that for sure. But like, right. I also have kids and I have, I have a schedule at home and it's just not feasible for me to do that. But for somebody that is, I don't think there's anything wrong with arbitrarily being creative when you feel creative. I think that's a wonderful thing. Like 90% yeah. of the dopest art in the world wouldn't have been created if somebody didn't have the space to like do that, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but for us, like, we're definitely on a schedule. Uh, funny enough, I was like w watching an interview with Akon the other day, and he was talking about how uh, prior to him working on the record with Eminem, yeah, he he flew out to Detroit to work on the record, and he showed up at the studio at like six o'clock to work on the record, and they were like, "No, Marshall leaves at five, like hard oh, yeah. stop every day. He works like <laughs> eight to five or nine to five. And he was like, "Well, what the fuck? Like I'm here now. Like let's make the record." He's like, "No, come back tomorrow morning at nine. And you guys can make the record. Wow. But that's like, it, I mean, it says a lot about a schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And making sure you stick to it. Um, yeah. You know, I know you guys have a, a website that you put together called Finish My Track. Is it called finishmytrack.com? Yep, that it is. So finishmytrack.com, which... Uh, gives you an idea of what the site is all about in the title right there. Um, but can you tell us more about it? Because it's that interests me so much. It sounds like something I want to use myself um, because I'll I have tell you the story of how not yeah, finished I'll, tracks. <laughs> that it's the world, including us. Um, yes. So I'll tell you how it came about, and then Danny yeah, can tell please. you about like what we do. So okay. basically, like going back to the Tiesto stuff. And a lot of those early projects we did that we had a lot of big wins on, uh, yeah. we were coming in at like the 70% mark on a lot of records. And the songs were great songs, but maybe like the synth wasn't great. The, the main synth sound wasn't great or the drums weren't there. Or like the mix wasn't right, right, quite there. So we'd come in and basically be finishers. We'd finish the record and get it to the retail ready point. Um, right. Some were like just demos where we do a ton of production and some songwriting. And some were like, nah, just make this sound polished because it's not quite there yet. So okay. we did a ton of that. We did it for big artists, a lot of independent projects, whatever. So last year or two years, I guess, yeah, like a year and a half ago now, um, 
during COVID and we didn't have any touring and whatever, just, you know, talking about ideas and things we could be getting into. And this whole concept like came up again, like, let's make this something. Why don't we make a, a business that's not just hinged on disco fries, but something that like when we're beyond the pandemic, we could scale as its own thing and we could bring in some other really dope producers and mixers. And it's not just like, oh, I'm going to the disco fries for that. Like it could be its own business. And obviously right. it's powered powered by us. Um, yeah. So that that was like the premise. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, I late night, I was like, finish my track. I wonder if anybody has that URL. Oh, hell, nobody has that URL. Five bucks on GoDaddy for the next five years. <laughs> like. That's pretty surprising because, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. a really good name. And, you know, by now everybody's like, I feel like gotten everything. So, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, great name. Great idea. Um, and so when Danny was that? Take you how long like, have you been? We, that was like, doing uh, what, like August of last year, mm. I want to say. Yeah. So it started yeah, during it, the pandemic. It did, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, so – like Nick said, we do a little bit of everything on there. The idea of the site is that we're helping people that are stuck in their creative process or in the mix down process, like just getting that last whatever, 20%. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But I think all producers know like you get to a point of diminishing returns where you're going to spend hours and hours just to get like that last 5%, just to make it sound a little yeah. bit better. Um, and we just have the experience doing it where we offer um, on the on the large scale, like production and mixing and mastering, like as you could do all of that. Or we could just master your track like a stereo master or we could do a stem mix and master where maybe you just send a couple, you know, drums, bass, synths, vocal sound effects, something like that. And we work off of that to get it sounding better. Um, and then all the way down to track feedback, where you just send us a SoundCloud link and we'll basically break down, this is what we think you could do with the arrangement to get it tighter. This is what you could do on the mix side that would help it out. Or here's some production ideas that might make it sound more polished than it currently does. Um, and it, it's also the sort of thing where we wanted, wanted it to be like a there to be like communication back and forth where people can feel like they're learning something from it. It's not just like you sent it off to a mastering house. They did some wizardry and then it comes yeah. back sounding good. Like, right. um, because while we were coming up, we worked a lot with a, uh, a mastering house in London called wired masters that were very like back and forth with us. We feel like we learned a ton from them, um, through this process. And so we kind of had that in mind with this, where we want to be able to like, I've had instances where people are like, yo, do you mind sending me like the Ableton session that you worked in? It'd be awesome to like see like what exactly you changed that made it sound the way it does. Um, and so that's the idea is like we started the stream around that to try to drive business to it. And then we found that it was also helping find new talent for the label and some of the uh, people that have come to finish my track uh for that work eventually came on to liftoff or we've had people go on to sign records to musical freedom and dimock and uh all these different labels so um yeah it's been a cool like i call it a side project but at this point like it's it's like a whole separate business that we have going now 
That's great. And do you guys ever add any of your own production to the tracks or is it more of a feedback uh, as well? I know you said the mixing and mastering thing. Yeah, so we do like a lot of uh, custom stuff too. Like we just had a record uh, last week or so that Danny dug in on and like it was adding some sounds, subtracting some sounds that were already in there, but there was like too much of. Um, so the, we do get into a lot of the custom production stuff. The, the other tiers of like just stem mix master are like, we wanted to offer that because we do it. Um, but the whole premise of the service is kind of like track finishing and like getting it over the line, whatever that takes. It might right. be like completely replacing a sound in some scenarios. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and is there like, is there a specific pricing on it or is it like a time thing or how much work or do you take a piece of the song or something how does that work so it's all different structures the the basic okay. stuff like the mixing and mastering like 250 for a stereo master 500 for a stem master and that's that's including like some revisions um but then with the uh the custom stuff it really just depends on what the song needs depends who the artist is that like how much work they're gonna want and how much back and forth it is but honestly like we we've had budgets all over the place and we just we give people a pretty clear idea of what we can do for what they have got it yep. that's cool such a great idea and i'm so glad that it's working out you know because it seems like such a genius kind of pandemic idea because you guys are at home working on stuff anyway but then it's something that now can just live on in the future as its own his own its own world and uh I might have to send you guys a couple things. See if <laughs> see we'll see what you think. I have so many yeah, unfinished to, things. Happy to listen. Remixes yeah. and beats and all kinds of stuff, or maybe something I could put out as an NFT uh, on record show. There you go. <laughs> Keep there it in go. the ecosystem the, here. The, right. <laughs> the uh, interesting thing about the live stream is because, like Danny said, originally that was like let's do a live stream that kind of ties into the site, which it yeah. does. But uh, not doing as many show, really not doing any shows over the past couple of years. It was like. Right. Um, this is a way for us weekly to be in front of our fan base too. Like yeah. they can engage with us, ask questions, and that's turned into like a whole nother animal. And like the whole NFT record shop community has like come over to the Twitch stream and now they've kind of integrated in all the, the fans that we had that existed on other platforms and other socials. So um, yeah, it's just, it's become a way for us to just get in front of people consistently every week. Yeah, that's dope. And and Twitch started your Twitch stream started around the same time, uh, the um, the finish my track website started. It was uh, February ish, oh, okay. March of this year. Um, yeah. Oh, you started so, the stream this year. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and um, how often you do once a week? You said. So we do so, two times a week. Right now, we do a two-hour show on Fridays, and that's usually with, like, um, I don't know, like, more established artists or people in the industry. And then we, mm -hmm. we also do an hour-long stream on Tuesday we call Snack Chat that's um, with a more typically more people on the come-up. A lot of times we'll feature artists that are then going to have their release come out the following Friday on our label um, right. or someone that can only like squeeze in an hour or something like that. Um, so yeah, we're on like three hours a week usually. Okay. Got it. And do you, are you able to take, um, content from your Twitch streams and then sort of, uh, put that into TikTok or whatever, yep. Instagram, Twitter, 
YouTube or, you know, all those different things? Yeah. So we, um, uh, our buddy drew on the team, like he handles a lot of that stuff and he'll oh, okay. like, we'll just get him like clips and, you know, you know, this was the gem moment from the interview. This, this minute of talking, you got to chop down and caption and stuff. It's similar to what you do with this. Right. Um, right. And that, and that's always cool. And it's cool for people to know about that process and talk about that on the show because DJs or producers and artists don't always think about like, literally everything you're doing could be a piece of content. Like we, we were just doing a session online the other day and we were like, yeah, after where we were like, fuck, we didn't record this. It literally could have been, it, it was for an NFT, but like the session, us working on it could have been part of that. Um, right. And like, we had to wrap our heads around thinking about things in that context forever. And we still like, we still screw it up. We just did the other day where we didn't capture yeah. it. Right. Um, I know it's just like yeah, record that, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we've made uh, that a habit. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's dope. And do you guys, are you guys on TikTok doing stuff on there? Not a lot. Not really. We like during the pandemic, we, I tried to get in the habit of doing like a weekly, like music production or sound design type thing. Yeah. But, it's not that's not really like the market for it or the way that we were doing it wasn't connecting. Um, right. So we focus really on Instagram is where we see the best um, engagement. Uh, it, it just seems like, I don't know, man, there's too many things like and, and, I, and everything you have it. to approach differently, you know? Yes, everything has to have its own. um I guess etiquette or the way that you approach it and the way that you do it, you know, and, and like, the voice, it has to have its its own voice, the way you bring it to that platform. And, you know, yeah, like in yep. TikTok, everything seems like, I don't know, Nick would be like, he would just grab his phone and like do something and that would connect. But if I spent like two hours producing <laughs> something, putting it into final cut and chopping it up and it looks super <laughs> slick, you put that on Instagram and it and it'll like get great reaction and then you put it on TikTok and people are like what the oh fuck my God. is this? Like- that happened to me like a week ago or two weeks ago and I spent so much time chopping. Yeah. I'd never chopped something up like so much in Final Cut and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put the work in. I'm gonna yeah. put it up on TikTok and it got like six likes and then I put no out return. other things and all these people are like this is incredible. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, exactly. what the hell? It, I, yeah. It's really hard to know what will hit or not on there. It almost seems like. If you approach it from a very niche expert, like this is my expertise. This is what I'm bringing to the table. I show you how sound design is only sound design of this one thing. Or like I show you samples from songs or, you know, I don't know. It has to be, and then it has to hit and you consistently do it all the time or something. Consistency yeah, on any of the platforms. Is, they're is saying uh, yeah. now like three times a day. On they're TikTok. Yeah, on TikTok three I times know, a day. I know, that's what I noticed. I started messing around just posting crap anyway just to see what happened. And then, like, when I start doing it, it's more and more people start coming to the page, even if you're just posting ones that not a lot of people are seeing. It must yeah. affect, like, how it works. And Because yeah. even on my For You page or something, I'll get these stupid videos. I'm like, what is this crap? But they're somehow, like, hacking the system to, yep. you know, show up on my feed or something. It definitely can be very powerful, and I've seen some producers – use it in really cool ways. And a lot of hip hop producers seem to be able to use it where they do that duet stitch thing, you know, and they're like, yo, who yeah. wants to rap on my beat? You know, I haven't seen many dance music people 
do that yet, but I think there's something to it. You know, you could be like, we laid down the drums and the bass. Who's putting the synth? You know, the, the other TikTok yeah, yeah. people can add on to it. That's or, worth a shot. Right. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, that could be that. cool because I've never seen any dance people do duet things where they just lay down the first two elements of the track. Because also that goes with finish my track because you could be like, yo... We're going to do this. You guys lay this, and then we're going to finish it in our site or something. I don't know. Maybe it can right. send, I love that send idea. people back. Yeah. Kind of a, we'll, we'll kick you back a royalty on that idea, and uh, yeah. we'll be good. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll get my TikTok royalty. Um, my Mr. <laughs> Wonderful. That's my Shark Tank. We'll make the deal uh, there after. There you go. So. <laughs> yeah. Nice tie back. I like that. <laughs> um, great, man. That's that's so cool. I think, I mean, all of these things are just so cool because it shows it's it's ways that you can run your own business, not have a nine to five. And yes, like you said, yes, you work way more than a nine to five, but you're working for yourself. You're running your own business and the sky is the limit. Like you could build this as big as you want. There's no ceiling. Like if you had a boss or, or different politics within all that. So you're, you're creating your own destiny and yes, you do have to work longer and there's ups and downs that are probably more extreme, but yeah. I think that there's also, you know, it's commendable. I mean, the fact that you've done it this long and you're still doing it and you're coming up with these amazing ideas. And I think really people will be and should be inspired by that and, and showing ways that you can make money from making your own music, but also helping other people and ma mixing and mastering and, and all that stuff. So, um, congratulations. Hey, yo, I feel it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. You'll yeah. get sound effect for that, <laughs> <Look at> that <laughs> double sound effect, sound sound effect. effect. <laughs> it is one of the things that we that was b2b sound effect <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> sorry <laughs> we preach it on our stream a lot that like um one especially this past year we we had a lot of friends that like leaned so heavily on live live events that really yeah. took a hit um and it i mean it was kind of by chance but also kind of by design we've always like diversified like where we're we're spending our time a lot and it just it levels out those extremes you were talking about. Like yeah. sometimes maybe you're on a hot streak for production as an artist, uh, and like I don't know, you'll be super hot for a minute, but then a year goes by, the sound changes, and it, it's not the same thing. And that that's like that can be really hard to deal with. So I, I think early yeah. on we just started realizing, oh, we'll do remixes and we'll release our own music and we'll do touring, and those were like the three sort of things, and then. Oh, and then we'll, you know, start a label and then, oh, maybe we can start getting into publishing with people on the label and then finish my track. And like, it, it's just become like the, the wider you cast the net, if one of them goes through a dry spell, it doesn't tank your whole, your whole livelihood. Right, right. And you have your own publishing company as well, right? Yeah. So we, we started that a while ago and uh, it was mostly just our stuff. Uh, and then as we did more on the label, uh, we started doing a lot more through the publishing company with the labels catalog and, and working that for syncs. So we've we've synced music for everything from, you know, movies on Netflix to ESPN, uh, NBA stuff, uh, NFL, like uh, all types of sports stuff. And then reality shows like crazy. Um, so that's been really uh, dancing with the stars too. <laughs> bunch of dancing nice. with the stars. And so you think you can dance syncs. Um, that's but great. that's been really lucrative for us. And then we did uh, like two years ago, we did a, a joint venture with Sony ATV and enhanced music out of UK uh, for the publishing side. And, and that's been great because like now we have a whole team of people 
between Enhanced and Sony ATV that help us get some opportunities in the door, but also just administrating uh, now what's, I think, like 1,500 tracks um, is a lot, is a lot. And like, you know, in the beginning of this whole thing, uh, before we had a business manager, like Danny was doing the accounting in Excel. And like, (laughs) I would do all, I I would do all the, yeah, like I would do all the label artwork and everything. And like, there's some things in the business that we still do, like still oversee our money, but we have a business manager. Um, I still do the label artwork, but then we pull in people for other thing, other assets or whatever. Um, right. So there's like parts of it we can't escape, but um, we definitely doing it from like literally the ground for, floor. We know every part of the business inside and out. So like when we bring in somebody, we know if they're like doing their shit the way they're supposed to or not. And it's, it's pretty yeah. evident right away. Right, because you've done every single job that there is. At some point, to. yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. That's dope. And um, and and so I had one more thing I was going to ask you, and I just lost my train of thought. But um, oh, working remotely—that's what I was going to ask about. Since you guys aren't in the same place, and especially with the pandemic, did you find new ways to work remotely that that were beneficial or that you hadn't thought of before? So it's sort of interesting because uh, Nick and I lived pretty close to one another for, I don't know, like eight or nine years, something like that. I Nick's always been in New Jersey. I was in Jersey for a few years and then in New York. So it was like it was still an hour and a half commute. We weren't seeing each other every day, but a few times a week. Um, right. But at this point, we, we've known each other so long. We know like what our strengths and weaknesses are as producers. Um mm that when I moved back to Virginia, which is where I grew up like five, almost six years ago now, um, we, uh, at first we were doing a lot of like virtual, like screen share and streaming audio and like Skype and all this stuff to try to do like in, in person sort of, uh, sessions. Uh, but we got to a point where we just like sort of divvied up the tasks. A lot of times, like I would get to a certain point, in a track and hand it off to Nick and he would mix from there. Um, right. And it's, I, I don't know how well that would work for all duos, but the fact that we just know each other so well, um, the transition wasn't hard and we were doing it years leading up to the pandemic. So when the yeah. pandemic hit, like yeah. not a lot changed. Um, right. We, we still like, I don't know. We miss, we haven't had like an in-person studio session since, probably February of, of last year of 2020. Um, wow. and there is something, there is something special to being in the same room. Like I tend to be very methodical, precise. <laughs> I, I work on this sound until it's done. And then I move on to the next sound, which when there's another person in the room is like the worst. And that's not how we want to work. So when Nick's in the room with me, we fly through stuff like, in a six hour right. session, we'll get through four tracks versus six hours of me at home. I get through like 20% of a track sometimes. Yeah, so like yeah. there's something to being, being like in the room with another person, but we, we have figured out a way to divvy, divvy up the work. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, to Danny's point, uh, he was talking about the the thing the other day where he was like frustrated about a record. I think I didn't know which record it was. Uh, <laughs> Cause like when he sent it to me, I heard stuff wrong with it that was not even like i i wasn't even considering anything that he thought about that was wrong with the record 
I was just looking at it like big picture, like this groove and this vibe and these sections wasn't quite right, whatever. And he was like, nah, nah, did you hear like this bass line, when this changed, it didn't match that chord. It went by so quick, like, cause I was just like kind of, you know, listening. I don't know. I was probably doing something while I was listening. So I was right. just like listening for the vibe and shit and, and the groove. And like, he's like, no, no, no. These are the things that are wrong with it. And I can't figure out how we, how we should fix these particular things. Um, so like the benefit of a duo is, is just yeah. like that stuff where one person is maybe looking at the finer details, which contribute to the big picture. But then also the big picture matters too, because if, if you get all those chords right, but the vibe as a whole doesn't feel right, then none of that shit matters. So um, right. we always advocate for duos, even if the person's not up front in the duo. I think there's something to be said about um, somebody doing a task that you isn't necessarily your strong suit, whether that's the business side, going out and networking to get your brand out there, or it's, or it's the music side. Maybe you're not a technical producer or like a super strong musician, but you have the right ear for that stuff. Like you got to find somebody to make up the gap. Right. That's a good point. Um, yeah. You, I mean, having a duo in a lot of situations is good and you, it's just a yin and yang thing and you can, yeah. play off each other and help each other um and, and as far as like i mean you guys do so many records and so many things and um how do you deal with rejection because obviously that's something that's huge in in the dj world and in the music world you're gonna always not everyone's gonna like everything um is that something you've had to learn to deal with um when things don't work out or when someone doesn't like a track and then it ends up being good for someone else a big, big fan of no. I'm a big fan. <laughs> just, you're a big, big fan, fan when someone says no because you're like, I'm on to the next. <laughs> well, it's just like it definitely gets you thinking creatively about like what you could do with a record or where it can right. go. And I, I mean, Daniel tell you like, I don't fucking waste anything on our hard drive. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll figure out a path for something if it like makes me crazy just because I don't like wasted I don't like wasted creations that we yeah. we've spent time on. So, you know, like we've had records rejected. We've had remixes rejected that then those stems end up into something else. And it turns into like a sync or it turns into a collab with somebody else. And then that thing goes on to do some crazy shit. So, um, yeah, it, it's all good. Yeah. Rejection. And yeah. like the rejection thing, uh, I sometimes is still tough, but I think part of it is, um, learning to manage expectations like just over the years i don't allow myself to get excited for stuff until it's yeah. like done until it's inked um but then right. also being a duo like you have someone to vent to like yeah i can nice. vent to my wife all day she has no idea what i'm talking about and has no empathy <laughs> for what's going on but for like to nick totally. i can go on whatsapp and just like oh this this uh, yeah like and yeah. a lot of times, like like Nick said, a no just turns into like a different opportunity. We've had records that multiple labels turned down that we then released on liftoff and ended up like, you know, the percentages go way in our favor. It still got on radio. It still had a successful run. Uh, there's a bunch of stories like that. And after the fact, you're like, actually, if it had gotten signed on that label, I don't know that much would have been different, except we wouldn't yeah. have as much money. At the end of it, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> right. true. What's amazing? We would have just given like, up fifty percent. 
<laughs> it, right. It's rare. It's rare that we have like a very strong idea of a plan and like every part of it goes the way you would hope in like an ideal world. But the one the one like most recent story that comes to mind is when we did Forever Love. Like Forever Love with Bingo Players, the the way that record kind of came together and everybody who got involved. Uh I'll just tell the story real quick. Um, yeah, please. We so uh, Vic and Domenico, who work with Dave Tozer that we talked about earlier, um, they had this like general eight bar idea of this slowed down, like melancholy thing that was the original idea for Forever Love, but the lyrics were a bit different, whatever. Um, got in the studio with them in New York and, and we started toying around with it. And I was like, yo, let's listen to like some other shit and and see what we could come up with because this is super catchy because it was that like first melody idea so playing with records listening to like some old kanye stuff then we got into like some of vassy's uh like secrets and and bad and like the pitched up vo- the pitched up vocal thing like kept coming back and then it turned into like bingo players cry just a little came up and so I was like, yo, let's let's do that with this record and speed it up and see where we land. So we landed yeah. on like this eight bar thing. And so then I took that back to Danny. Danny like did his wizardry with that and sent it back to me. I messed with it. And then I was like, yo, we're working with this dude in New York right now who's doing really cool, like funky shit on records like this guy Thando. So I sent it to Thando. I was like, can you just do your thing on this? Like send me something back and we'll see where it goes. Um, and so he sent it back and I was like, dope, those are some great additions. Like we're gonna, I'll come back to you. And so then I was like, let's go to bingo players. So then I went to bingo players with it and he was like, yeah, this is fucking great. And I was like, cry just a little kind of vibe. You haven't had a radio record in a while. Like, let's make this a a radio smash, whatever they were in. Like everybody who we hit up was like in for the ride. And then it turned into like one of our biggest records at radio, like went top five, whatever crossed over to pop and, wow. and all this shit. And like when, when something like that happens, it gives you hope again for a plan right. to be executed as is. But right. um, that one was amazing. And the, and I think the overarching theme with it was everybody was super cool. There was no drama. There was no like business drama. Everybody was just like, this is a fucking great record and we're down. And that went from like Carrie who worked the record, loved it. The label loved it. Everybody involved in creating it. Like it was just a good aura around it. Yeah. So that's great. And that, well, yeah. and it's and also, sadly it's rare. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the other thing is like Nick was orchestrating a lot of this and he yeah. was like, yeah. I have this eight buyer idea. Okay, cool. We work on it a little bit. He's like, I'm going to send it to the, to this guy in New York. Okay, cool. Like, still no expectations. Comes back, I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds dope. Let's, yeah, whatever. He's like, I, I think I'm gonna see if I can get in touch with bingo players. I was like, okay, cool. Not gonna happen, whatever. And then he comes back and he's <laughs> in. I was like, oh, all right, interesting. And so like every step of the way, instead of being like, oh, wow, I hope this, like, I really hope this works. It was just like, just forget about right. it and keep working on everything else. And then every time it comes back, you're like, Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> right, right. So, don't 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 have your expectations too high. That's dope. Yeah. And yeah, shout to Thando. He's uh not only a dope producer, one of the funniest people on Twitter. Um <laughs> hands down. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> he's got some he's got some hot takes, as they say. Um, Yo, his he sent me a playlist of unreleased records yesterday. It, I, I feel like he is one of the most underrated producers that's going to come up. Because, uh, like, what he's going to get a record that goes, for sure. Yeah. And when yeah. it happens, people are going to be like, where did this kid come from? But, like, all right. these records are fire. Like, that's ridiculously dope. good Oh, I production. hope he does. I don't know him, but I, I just, I've been following him for years. And I've seen his sort of uh, transition into the production world, I guess, from a DJ. Yeah. And then he still tweets from the open format DJ perspective a bit, you know, and says right. a bunch of funny shit. But um, yeah, I like his his persona on there, and all the music I've heard from him is is good. So I hope the best for him. And and I hear what you're saying. I just think he has a good ear for yeah. the sounds and putting it all together. And also, it seems like his work ethic seems pretty good from the outside. So put all that together, and hopefully, boom, he gets a smash hit, like you said. Um, <laughs> and that's I'd dope. That that's you guys worked like the- on that track. Yeah. yeah, we worked on a couple things now together and, and have some more stuff, uh, I'm sure, that's coming up soon. Um, but that I'd say, like, that's the dopest part about, like, the live stream, too, is, like, we yeah. get to hear these artists when they're still, like, it's, it's like, you're still, like, dusting off the diamond and, yeah. and getting it to where it, you, but you can see the fucking diamond is there. They just need, like, some shaping up, you know what I mean? Right. Um. And that, that's been a lot of fun. Because, uh, like, these guys, Boogie Hill Faders, like I said, they came on the live stream. Nobody, they had, like, seven monthly listeners on Spotify. Nobody knew who they were. And yeah. then, you know, we, we got with them, did the collab, and, and clearly they had, like, a thing. It's a sound, and it's, it's dope. Um, it just needed to be put in front of people. So right. they're, they're on their way. Yeah. Yeah, that track sounded great that I heard um, uh, that you and them did um dope man well uh you know i think we should uh wrap it up pretty soon but um before we get out of here um do you guys have any other things like projects you have coming up that you want to promote or any cool things on the horizon uh you want to talk about i think we we talked about some of it but i didn't know if i left anything out uh, not too much. We have like <laughs> traditional releases coming up. We just had a re- another release on uh Bingo Players label Hysteria. Uh, that oh, one's cool. called React, and it has Damon Sharp on the record, uh, on the vocals with us. And then oh. we have one coming on Sam Felt's label. Uh, that's in early December. I don't know when this will go up, but um, yeah, on, on Sam Felt's label with uh, these other producers, Danny and Tarek. Nice, nice. All right, great. And where can everybody uh, find you? It's The Disco Fries on everything, right? It's at the disco fries everywhere and uh of course we're dropping stuff on record shop as nfts yes. so come over there and and it, it's not expensive it, it, we're not we're not selling like uh you know 69 million dollar people nfts we're right. doing really affordable cool stuff and and the most important part is like the discord community uh that we've built there called fried fam uh shout out to you guys uh they're awesome and and they really make it fun for us and we're doing tons of giveaways and it's and you have a discord connected to your twitch as well we do we're starting to get a little more active in there so but so the di- but you do have a discord that's a disco fries discord but it's more geared towards the record shop uh project it's everything really oh, it's everything um, oh, okay yeah and then within the record shop discord there's a fried fam channel that's just oh got it our our stuff yeah. 
Got it, got it. Okay, cool. I gotta, I gotta join both discords. I gotta get in there. I'm get on Record Shop, and Record Shop for people out there listening is spelled, uh, I think, with no vowels, right? So it's just R C. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, it's R C D S H B. Okay, there you go. Um, R C D S H B. Hold up, did I do that right? I left out. A- <laughs> I don't know. That's I was like, he's got. Yeah, it's R C R D S H B. No, it's R C R D S H P. It's record shop. Made no me like, oh yeah, it's easy, it. and then I f it up. <laughs> right, or just type record shop NFT. I'm sure it'll pop up. Yeah, exactly. Um, Great. Well, um, before we get out of here, do you have any like words of encouragement for the DJs and producers listening or any advice or anything you want to impart with the, I would just say, I know you have a lot of, I I know you had a lot of like mix show DJ listeners and, and guys in that space. And, uh, like a lot of those guys are always trying to break into the production side or break into the dance music space. And it's, uh, I'd say you guys have the best ears for music. Like, the sheer amount of music you hear and uh, just the sensibility around arrangements and what works on a dance floor. Don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, use that knowledge to your advantage when you're producing and think about uh, just what works in the songs that you're playing out. I, we see it time and time again where like a mix show DJ comes over to a production world and they try to just they try to be a producer producer versus just. Yeah doing what they know and, and using that knowledge from the DJ side to apply it uh, in that context. So yeah, use your strengths and, and you'll be on your way. Yeah. Trust yourself more than you think, you know, that little, don't let that little doubt eat away. Just uh, trust yourself and go forward because there's a reason why you're doing what you're doing. And, and yeah, exactly. Like we've put in a lot of work and a lot of time as DJs. And, uh, I think when we do try to go in the producer world, it can be that imposter syndrome or a little bit of, um, you know, whatever it is insecurity, but you just have to trust that everybody's felt that and push forward. And I think that's, that's great. That's great advice. Um, amazing. Well, yo, uh, the disco fries, Nick and Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Yo, I got, wait, I got a problem. You have a way better applause than I do. <laughs> My, Arena well, applause. This is this that, is not small theater. That was huge. I got <laughs> that's straight up crap. We'll, we'll to swap it. samples after. After. Oh my god. Let's see. I might have a. Di- is it, how's this one? Oh, that's pretty good. Oh yeah, that's like Tonight Show audience. I like that. It's appropriate. I was like a. There we go. Okay, I had another. I had to find that one. (laughs) Oh, yo! Thank you so much for having us, man. Yes, thank you. Yeah, we'll take the whistles. (laughs) You got the whistles. You got a. uh, You know the fucking vibes. You know the fucking vibes. So, yo, disco (laughs) fries on the twenty podcast. Thank you guys. Hopefully, uh, I will see you somewhere. I will be checking out your NFTs and and all the different things. And um, yeah, thanks again. I will see you soon. Peace. Awesome. Thanks, All right, man. Peace. Later. All right. Thank you to the Disco Fries for coming on the show. Really good getting to know you guys better. Nick and Danny. Um, I was a guest on their show, so go check that out if you want to uh, hear them interview me. Um, but, yes, they had so many uh, great great pieces of info in there, and their story is so cool. So thank you for coming on the show. 
Uh, and thank you guys, the Beat Sorcerers, for tuning in week after week. The 20 Podcast is produced by Beat Source. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. And uh, please find us on any platform. We're everywhere. Spotify, Apple. We're on YouTube. You can watch us. You can listen to us. But please rate and review the show on the Apple Podcast app. That helps us grow, go up the charts, and keep this show going. Thank you, guys. I'm DJ Spider signing off. That was the 20 with DJ Spider.